This may seem like a bold claim to make, but I'm going to go out on a limb a bit here. We are all, each and every one of us, a poem. Yes, a poem. Now, you might be saying to yourself, hold on a minute. What's this intern minister talking about now? Me? A poem? Yes, it's true. The understanding that we are somehow made of and made through poetry is practically as old as writing itself. We are our stories. What exactly are our stories? And how will we tell them? Some 3,000 years ago, Homer began his epic poem, The Odyssey, by invoking his muse, the goddess of poetry. The poet doesn't ask the muse to sing a song about Odysseus. No, through the poet, upon his invocation, the muse literally sings Odysseus into existence for the ages. Sing to me, O muse, the much-traveled man who many times was driven off course after he sacked the holy city of Troy. And so begins one of the most fantastic stories of all times. Odysseus is at once a mortal and a poem. Sing to me, the much-traveled man. We, too, are both poet and poem. We participate in the act of creation. We become the product of our own creation, our stories. The book of Genesis tells us that on the sixth day of creation, God created humankind in his image and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Here, God is the ultimate creative source that in turn endows us with a similar creative power and charges us to be in relation with every other living thing on earth. Our creative power is not only that we produce our progeny, but that we can shape and bend and mold our relationships to the earth and all that live upon it. It is an awesome creative power. Now, if Homer in the book of Genesis aren't authority enough, and you're still not convinced that you're both poet and poem, consider the words of St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. For we are God's poem made for good works. This phrase, God's poem, has been translated many different ways. You may be more familiar with hearing God's masterwork, God's design, or perhaps even God's handiwork. But the Greek noun Paul actually wrote here is poema, that which is made, created, or brought into existence, especially as it relates to the arts. Thus, in English, we have the word poem. Paul tells us that we are God's poem, his handiwork, in that he made us to perform good works. So in a Homeric and Judeo-Christian sense, we are all created works of art, poems 
endowed with the ability to act and to create. Creators and created, poets and poems, we are by our very nature impelled, designed, driven, even commanded to create. Legendary music producer and author Rick Rubin offers us his take on our relationship to the act of creation. He writes, think of the universe as an eternal creative unfolding. Trees blossom, cells replicate, rivers form new tributaries. The world pulses with productive energy and everything that exists on this planet is driven by that energy. Every manifestation of this unfolding is doing its own work on behalf of the universe, each in its own way, true to its creative impulse. What a beautiful phrase Rubin turns here, an eternal creative unfolding. What creative activities do we choose to undertake in this beautiful, creative unfolding? Are they good works? On Earth Day, we are reminded that all power, including our power to create, needs to be acted upon judiciously. Yes, Genesis commands us to subdue the Earth and exercise dominion over all things. But consider the results of humankind over the millennia mindlessly heeding this dual command to subdue and exercise dominion. We cannot ignore our excessive and misdirected creative forces have wreaked upon the earth and all that live upon it. Climate change is now becoming climate catastrophe. Left unchecked, our misdirected creative power will be our own undoing. Remember, we are God's poem created for good works. Rather than use our creative powers to subdue and exercise dominion over the earth for our own selfish, short-sighted purposes, we, the earth, and all that live upon it would be better served to understand the scripture as calling us to be good stewards of the earth and for the generations that are yet to come. Here at First Church, as part of our 40 for the Earth initiative, we've been trying to answer that very call to do our own small part. As we were reminded during the welcome announcements, please stop by the FCB Green Table after services and share the creative ways you are becoming better stewards of this earth. Surrounded as we now are by the eternal creative unfolding of spring all around us, blooming daffodils and crocus flowers, warm breezes and gently rolling ocean waves. I've been thinking a lot about creativity recently and what a humble role I may have to play in this creative unfolding. While I've always enjoyed being around creative people, the ones who paint, write, dance, garden, sing, minister, play music, I've never really considered myself to be particularly gifted 
or a naturally creative person. Well, I have a certain facility for some things in the creative field. I know I'm not all that. Truth be told, most of our creative powers pale in comparison to the genius of Homer, Monet, or Beethoven. But is that good reason to play small and hide our creative talents? No, not at all. So why do we play small and hide our creative talents? Pondering this very question, American psychologist Abraham Maslow came up with his answer that he coined the Jonah Complex. The fear of success, which prevents self-actualization or the realization of one's full potential. It is the fear of our own greatness, the evasion of our destiny, or the avoidance of exercising our talents. Maslow named his complex after Jonah, the biblical prophet who attempted to run away from his fate and hide from God. We all know how that worked out. Jonah ended up in the belly of a whale. So don't try to hide your talents. Maslow explains his theory. We are generally afraid to become that which we can glimpse in our most perfect moments. We enjoy and even thrill to the godlike possibilities we see in ourselves, and yet we simultaneously shiver with weakness, awe, and fear before these very same possibilities. Why is this? Perhaps we don't want to take the responsibility of being on center stage. Perhaps we are afraid of failure, rejection, or criticism. Or maybe we just don't want to rock the boat. But when we find ourselves offering excuses, hiding, procrastinating, it's time to move into action. But where do we begin? First, let's figure out what it is we've been wanting to do but have been reluctant to undertake. German-Swiss poet, novelist, and painter Hermann Hesse advises, gaze into the fire, into the clouds, and as soon as the inner voices begin to speak, surrender to them. Don't ask first whether it's permitted or would please your teachers or father or some god. You'll ruin yourself if you do that. To this, I would add, and then we should share that desire with others so that we don't chicken out and backslide into procrastination. There's nothing wrong with a little accountability in our endeavors. Second, let's adopt what in Zen Buddhism is known as beginner's mind, Shoshin, an attitude of openness, eagerness, and lack of preconceptions when learning just like any beginner. Let's not pretend we know what we're doing when starting out. Let's admit that there are so many possibilities we have not even begun to perceive at the outset of our new creative endeavor. We all start as beginners, as amateurs, lovers of what we are learning.
Third, let's get to work. Reflecting on the creative process in her book, The Creative Habit, Learn It and Use It for Life, dance choreographer Twyla Tharp soundly rejects the idea that creativity is reserved for those who are somehow naturally gifted in a particular artistic field. She says, I think everyone can be creative, but you have to prepare for it with routine. There's no other way around it. The best creativity is the result of habit and hard work. Personally, I find it encouraging to hear that creativity is possible through habit and hard work. For if the ability to create required natural genius, how less interesting would life be for all the rest of us? The cost of standing on the sidelines and not moving into action is just too high a price to pay, both for ourselves and for others. Who are we that we should deprive ourselves and the rest of the world of our creative talents, modest though they may be? Reflecting on the price of not heeding the call to create, Mary Oliver writes, the most regretful people on earth are those who felt the call to creative work, who felt their own creative power restive and uprising and gave to it neither power nor time. Who gave to it neither power nor time. I, for one, am no fan of regret. I do not want to someday look back at my life and say, oh, if I'd only had dot, dot, dot. Or I really should have dot. Or even worse, I wish I had had the courage to dot, dot, dot. Now, here at First Church, we have so many opportunities for people of all ages and all abilities to explore their creative selves in a loving and supportive community. Curious about singing? Join one of our choirs or a musical. Is cooking your thing? Check out the Wednesday lunch or the FCB cooks. Love to read? Join a book club. Interested in learning more about film, poetry, literature, drama, or the visual arts? Come to the Arts Fair tomorrow, Monday at 7.30 in the library. What creative talents have you been hiding from us? It's time to listen to your muse and heed the call. These are the words of poet John O'Donohue for a new beginning. In out-of-the-way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire feeling the emptiness grow inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety 
in the gray promises that sameness whispered. Heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent. Wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out of you stepped onto the new ground. Your eyes young again with energy and dream. A path of plenitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm, for your soul senses the world that waits you. My spiritual friends, we are each and every one of us poet and poem, creator, creation. Like Homer's muse of ancient times, we sing ourselves into existence in this eternal creative unfolding. We are God's poem created for good works. May we be mindful to use our awesome powers for the good of all creation. Though like Jonah, we may hesitate to heed the call, may we have the courage to gaze into the fire, into the clouds, and listen to what the voice within tells us. In our most perfect, quiet moments, what glimpses are we afforded of who or what we might become. Awesome. With a beginner's mind, open to all the as yet unknown possibilities, may we embrace good habit and hard work, knowing that creativity is not reserved for genius. Awaken your spirit to adventure, Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm, for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Veni, creator spiritus. Come, creative spirit. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen.